Welcome to our weekly energy update with Investec Head of Commodities, Callum McPherson. 2022 was a tumultuous year for energy markets. Today, we take a look at 2023 and the annual note on hedging considerations for oil in 2023. Let's start with the demand side. What are the key issues here, Callum? Well, if we think back to this time last year, um, much of the world got to the point where it was living with COVID, high levels of vaccination, a lot of people had had COVID. Um, but then, and so we were, think, we were expecting the world economy to, to really reopen and oil demand to increase um, throughout 2022. But of course, there were also uh, some, some nervousness about uh, the Omicron variants and whether we'd have more outbreaks and lockdowns and things like that in, in, in New Year. So generally, the demand outlook positive, but some uncertainty about exactly how it was going to evolve. And, and really, China is now in, in that same position. You know, it's got pretty high levels of vaccination. Quite a lot of people have had COVID, but we're still not quite sure exactly how that uh, reopening is, is going to unfold. But it does look like that China surely must uh, continue to reopen this year and, and oil demand um, then grow with it. As for the rest of the world, um, obviously, we've moved on from COVID uh, pretty much, um, but there, there are now other worries about uh, global growth and uh, the economic outlook and, and so on. And um, the, although I think those those um, concerns are dissipating to some extent. I mean, if we were going back um, a few months ago, things were looking pretty gloomy, but I think things are now not looking quite as bad as, as they expected. And certainly in Europe, that has been helped by the quite mild weather and uh, relatively low gas and power prices that, that, that we've seen over the winter. So this, is, this has made the, the, the uh, energy crisis a lot easier to deal with than it, than it might have been. So that's certainly, certainly helped in, in, in Europe in particular. Um, anyway, as a consequence of all this, I think um, we, we can expect to see oil demand increase over the course of this year. L- last year, oil demand averaged at a bit under 100 million barrels per day. Um, th- this year, it could average at uh, well, certainly well over 100, could, could be 101, 102, maybe, maybe even more um, as, as we get towards the end of, of this year. And, and it's also worth noting that there was also another potential source of demand this year, and that is the US trying to replace the reserves that it released last year. Turning to supply, how has Russian supply held up? International Energy Agency data suggests that Russian production has only dropped slightly um, overall since since the war started. Um, the big change we've seen in, in for Russia has been in the, in the pricing it's been getting. So, so Russian output has been priced at maybe $20 per barrel um, below Brent because, of course, Europe and other regions are, are not wanting to, to, to take uh, Russian crude anymore. Um, and, and so this, this makes sense that, that the sort of price trends that we saw in, in crude last year, initially the, the market rallied very, very strongly on expectations that Russian significant amounts of Russian supply would come out of the market. And obviously, prices have fallen back again once it became clear that, that, that actually that they wouldn't. Um, and this, this, of course, is kind of consistent with the price cap um, idea. Um, in, in terms of a combination of, of embargoes that prevent Russian crude, but then um, 
price cap that allows Russian crude so long as it's below a certain level. Um, so, so, so really the idea was that Russian crude would not be taken out of the market and, and hence um, prices could, could for uh, global crude supply would, would remain um, at sort of reasonable levels. Um, however, the market really needs to have uh, more supply over the course of this year to meet rising demand. And it's not entirely clear where that's going to come from. US shale has been rising steadily, um, but apart from that, things look relatively constrained on the supply side. Then if we look to OPEC+, Plus, of course, OPEC+, Plus has been struggling to uh, actually produce up to the limits that it, that it set itself. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and as a consequence, the bulk of the spare capacity that uh, OPEC Plus has, which could be something like three and a half million barrels per day, sits with Saudi Arabia and, and the UAE. So it's very hard for OPEC Plus to increase supply through a prorated uh, split up of, of, of some overall increase in targets because it's really only Saudi Arabia and the UAE that can actually supply much more crude to the market. And uh, of course, um, other members of OPEC Plus are not necessarily going to be keen to, for, for just Saudi Arabia and, and the UAE to go and go and be the ones to increase output, um, particularly that the, the Russians. And the last thing that they would want is uh, Saudi Arabia coming in and deflating um, price bubbles. Um, and then I suppose one final point is on Iran. I mean, a year ago we were talking about Iranian production coming back online. Seems very little chance of that happening. Uh, given everything that's that, that's occurred over the last year, uh, Iranian support for Russia, supplying drones that have been uh, used to attack Ukraine and so on. So it doesn't really seem much chance of uh, the uh, nuclear talks being revived again. So there is a risk the market will be tight. Yes. I, mean, I think once we've got through the first quarter, um, where and, and certainly the first half of the year, where, where the market is likely to be looser, um, yes, there, there does seem to be a risk of the market being pretty tight. And even in, in the current uh, quarter, uh, if the price is relatively soft, we, we may see the US coming using that as an opportunity to rebuild reserves. Because they released about uh, a million barrels per day over a six-month period um, over the course of last year. Um, so they could easily take a million barrels per day in the first quarter or wherever of this year as, as they try and replace that uh, those reserves that were released. What about refined products like diesel and jet fuel? Well, of course, we've seen incredibly high um, crack spread. So that's the premium that things like jet fuel, diesel and gas oil trade at over, over crude oil. And this has really been the, the case ever, ever since the war in Ukraine started um, because of the just disruption to refined product supply into Europe. And more recently, we've had, of course, a very, very uh, harsh winter in the US um, where gas oil is used a lot for, for, for space heating. So that's added um, additional pressures. Um, and of course, there's now further uncertainty on, on the horizon for um, refined products because uh, from the 5th of February, so only a few months away, uh, European countries will no longer be able to import um, seaborne products from Russian refineries, uh, but also they won't be able to ship, finance or, or insure cargoes that, that are coming from Russia and going to, to, to other countries unless they comply with the price cap. Um, so Russia is going to need to find an alternative outlet for, for that supply. 
um, which is most likely to be countries that, that don't have uh, very strong domestic refining capacity, like Africa and Latin America. But of course, then there's further to ship that refined product, so that leads to higher costs and all sorts of logistical um, complexities. And there's possibly also a more fundamental problem in, in that some um, older refineries that uh, went went offline during COVID were never brought back on stream. So that leads to a bit of a lack of refinery capacity, which is going to come up against this increased demand that we can expect to see over the course of this year. Now, maybe, well, it does seem likely that we'll, we will see more capacity coming on stream later in the year that will help alleviate that 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 problem. Um, but, but nevertheless, so there could be a tightness in refined product markets, which um, it is really about refinery capacity. There's nothing you can do about it by just increasing more crude supply. How might this feed into oil market behavior and the relationship with other markets? Brent is normally quite correlated with equities as they react to the same sort of macro drivers. Um, but for much of uh, 2022, uh, Brent became quite decoupled from equity markets. Because um, obviously in an environment of very high energy prices, the, the cost of energy becomes so high that it, it's actually damaging to the economy and then you get a sort of negative um, correlation. So that's exactly what we saw happening at uh, quite, quite a lot during 2022. But more recently, obviously with the price of oil having come down again, um, now the correlation started to become positive again. So, that, so Brent has been strengthening into the start of this year uh, on the positive outlook for oil demand, China reopening, world economy maybe not looking as bad as expected and of course the, the, the same thing is positive for equities so they've been kind of going up together. Um, on the technical side there have been some quite significant developments uh, in the long-term Brent history over the last um, well, couple of years really. Uh, Brent broke up through the downtrend from the all-time high of 2008. Uh, then last year in the sell-off from the Ukraine war, um, Brent broke down through the uptrend from the uh, the low of COVID, so the market had really rallied ever ever since uh, April 2020, and and that that sort of went into reverse when the market started to correct down after the Ukraine war, when um, Russian supply did remain in the market, uh, and then again at the end of last year, Brent started to show signs of reaching a base in in that downtrend um, after it pushed below $80 per barrel. And, and now recently it seems to be building higher again. So we're seeing rent back into the mid mid 80s. And obviously if um, demand does uh, sort of lead to the market being relatively tight, then we could well expect, we could well see um, Brent continuing to, 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 to trend higher. It's been a very challenging 12 months for energy markets. What do you think are the long-term implications? Well, the, the, the fallout from the war in Ukraine has, has really thrown a spanner into the workings of the global energy system. Uh, and usually things work relatively smoothly, so much so that you don't realise quite how complicated the whole whole thing is. Um, but uh, when you have this sort of disruption, suddenly all these um, relationships um, break down and, think, and, and it, it sort of exposes the complexities of the, of the system. And I think probably the best uh, thing to compare with, if you go back to the oil shocks of the 70s and early late 80s, uh, and, and uh, th this perhaps gives an idea of uh, n not what might happen in, in the long term rather than the short term, because, I mean, it, it took a long time for these trains um, to, to play out um, 
in, in terms of the the uh, the fallout from from that uh, that period. And um, over time, what we then saw following following that was um, oil de being displaced from roles such as power generation and space heating uh, in favor of things like gas and uh, nuclear at the time. And, and oil demand itself became much more focused on transportation, where the high energy density and ease of handling makes it much harder uh, to displace. But, there, but even there, there was a focus on greater energy efficiency, and, and so that helps to limit demand growth even in those areas. <clears throat> but as I say, those those changes unfolded over uh, a long, uh, quite a few years, uh, and that suggests that at the moment we're we're only really at the beginning of of uh, this p potential shift that that might might occur as a consequence. Um, although I think it's pretty clear some of the trends we might see. Um, so I mentioned that um, oil's uh, important role in transportation, but that of course is now being challenged by things like um, electric vehicles, certainly for cars and light goods vehicles and things like that. Electric vehicles seem to be extremely effective. Um, and, and then for, for gas, obviously gas uh, came in and displaced some oil demand, but now gas itself is, is being challenged by um, renewables for power generation and, and uh, electrification, perhaps taking away the role in space heating and, and, and also, again, um, insulation, improved efficiencies, similar to the sort of pressures we saw after the oil shocks in the 70s and 80s. So I think um, the longer term is that this will probably reinforce and accelerate uh, trends that were underway already because of the green agenda, but we can now add on to that um, factors such as security of supply and, and frankly cost because uh, energy prices have been extremely high uh, from fossil fuels last year. Thank you for listening to another episode of Investec's weekly energy update with Callum McPherson. If you would like to discuss any of the contents of this episode, drop Callum an email at callum.mcpherson at investec.co.uk or visit investec.com slash commodities. Until next time, thank you.